I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that charts the river of history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today, we're celebrating one of the last great works of one of Hollywood's first great comedians, the inimitable Buster Keaton. The day was May 12, 1928. Buster Keaton's silent-era masterpiece, Steamboat Bill Jr., premiered at the Rialto Theater in New York City. The film received mixed reviews at the time of its release, but has since been re-evaluated as one of Keaton's finest films. It also contains one of the most famous and dangerous stunts in movie history, but we'll get to that a little later. Buster Keaton was born as Joseph Frank Keaton on October 4, 1895. He was born in Pequot, Kansas, but only because his performer parents happened to be in town for a show when his mother went into labor. Myra Keaton was a singer and dancer, and her husband, also named Joseph, was an actor. They both worked together with the legendary Harry Houdini in a traveling medicine show, and once Joe Jr. was old enough to crawl, he got in on the act too. In fact, it was Houdini himself who gave Buster Keaton his nickname. As the filmmaker explained in a 1963 interview, quote, 
I fell down a flight of stairs when I was around six months old. They picked me up, no bruises, didn't seem to hurt myself, and Houdini said, that was a buster. And the old man says, that's a good name, we'll call him that. Not long after, the Keaton family struck out on their own as the Three Keatons and quickly became a hit on the vaudeville circuit. They proved so popular that the family continued touring both the United States and England for the better part of 20 years. Their act changed a little as time went on, but in the early days it included a pretty reckless slapstick routine in which young Buster was hurled around the stage, and sometimes off of it, for comedic effect. It was such a big part of the act that Buster actually had a suitcase handle sewn into his stage clothes so that his father would have better leverage when he sent him flying. This led to allegations of child abuse on more than one occasion, but those were generally dismissed once Buster showed authorities that he hadn't sustained any injuries. There was certainly an element of danger to the act, he really was being tossed around by his father, but because Buster had mastered the art of the trick fall at a young age, he was able to stick the landings without being injured. In fact, Far from being in pain, Buster routinely laughed with glee as he flew through the air. That is, until he realized that he got an even bigger laugh from the audience when he didn't show emotion himself. From that point on, Buster didn't smile or laugh while on stage. Instead, he developed the frozen deadpan expression that eventually became his trademark, the one that earned him his other famous nickname, the Great Stone Face. The three Keatons finally went their separate ways in 1917, and 21-year-old Buster made the jump to silent films not long after. He made his film debut that same year, after being hired as a gag writer and actor in a fatty Arbuckle comedy short called The Butcher Boy. Buster Keaton went on to write and appear in 13 more shorts with Arbuckle over the next three years, learning the ins and outs of the film business and medium along the way. He was especially keen to learn the mechanics of filmmaking, since that was the only part of the process he didn't know anything about. As Keaton later recalled, quote, The first thing I did in the studio was to tear that camera to pieces. I had to know how that film got into the cutting room, what you did to it in there, how you projected it, how you finally got the picture together, how you made things match. The technical part of pictures is what interested me. Material was the last thing in the world I thought about. You only had to turn me loose on the set, and I'd have material in two minutes, because I'd been doing it all my life. Following his successful partnership with Arbuckle, Keaton was given charge of his own production unit at United Artists Studio. He soon began churning out his own popular series of two-reel shorts and eventually feature films. Many of these now classic comedies not only starred Keaton, but were written and or directed by him as well. This includes highlights like One Week, The Playhouse, Sherlock Jr., Go West, and The General. Endlessly clever and surprisingly modern, Keaton's films were more ambitious than most slapstick comedies of the silent era. His characters weren't over the top. If anything, just the opposite. They were calm and accepting in the face of the many adversities and humiliations that came their way. 
Keaton's characters were underdogs, who won over audiences with unassuming charm and ingenuity, rather than brash heroics. In addition, his physical comedy, sometimes subtle, sometimes broad, was integrated into stories that were unexpectedly poignant, rather than just being vehicles for gags. This was all the more impressive when you consider that Keaton's films used far fewer title cards compared to other silent comedies. His stories were told primarily through facial expressions, gesture, and movement, planned and executed with graceful precision. Plus, he did all his own stunts and had the bruises to prove it. He could have hired a stuntman, but according to him, quote, stuntmen don't get laughs and only a good comedian knows how to do things funny. Fans of Keaton's work have long debated which film is the actor's best, but for many, myself included, the conversation always circles back to 1928's Steamboat Bill Jr. It was the tenth and ultimately last feature film to be made under his unit, Buster Keaton Productions. Before shooting was over, Keaton would learn that his production studio was being shut down. His recent films, The General in particular, had gone way over budget and then didn't earn enough at the box office to cover that high cost. Steamboat Bill Jr. was the end of an era then, the last time Keaton would ever have complete creative and financial control of a movie. If he had to go out, though, at least he went out with a bang. If you've never seen the film before, and obviously I recommend that you do, it follows Keaton as a young college graduate trying to earn the respect of his estranged father, a gruff Mississippi riverboat captain named William Canfield Sr., a.k.a. Steamboat Bill. The film opens just before Junior's arrival in the town of River Junction, where he's due to visit his father. Bill hasn't seen his son since infancy, but he's so excited to show him off that he brings his first and only mate to the train station to meet his no-doubt strapping son. Business had been tough for Steamboat Bill. His broken-down boat, the Stonewall Jackson, could no longer keep up with the fancy paddle steamer owned by his rival, John James King. For Bill, a visit from his son is a chance to change his fortunes. With his brawny son as a partner, he'd be able to fix up the boat and carry on the family business. Imagine Bill's disappointment then when off the train steps a scrawny dandy with a pencil mustache, a ukulele, and a checkered beret. Neither Canfield is quite what the other expected, and it isn't long before Bill Sr. tries to toughen up his son by teaching him the basics of running a steamboat. Junior is eager to please, but not well suited for a life at sea. He's forever bumping into equipment and tripping over the rigging. In one scene, he accidentally knocks a life preserver into the water, and it immediately sinks. The gag is a perfect visual metaphor for both the rickety nature of his father's ship and for Junior's own incompetence as a sailor. He can't even get a life preserver to float. The relationship between the two Bills is the heart of the movie, the story of a rugged, judgmental father gradually and begrudgingly learning to accept and even respect his quirky, sensitive son. But there's a little romance in there, too. As Bill Jr. endeavors to win his father's approval, he also tries to win the love of Kitty King, the daughter of his father's business rival. 
These storylines intersect during the film's stunning climax, in which Bill Jr. must rescue his father, Kitty, and Kitty's father from a raging cyclone. Since the movie was set on the banks of the Mississippi River, although filmed on the banks of the Sacramento River in California, the original plan was to end the film with a flood sequence, not a cyclone. However, when a real-life flood devastated Mississippi during production, Keaton was pressured to change the sequence so it wouldn't hit so close to home. Annoyed but undeterred, he got to work on the new scenes. He brought in airplane engines to simulate the cyclone and ordered the construction of breakaway building facades that could fly apart or collapse on cue. The retooled sequence ultimately led to one of the most memorable stunts in showbiz history. As a cyclone sweeps through River Junction, the front wall of a two-story house falls forward to where Keaton is standing. But instead of being crushed, he passes perfectly through the frame of an open window, completely unharmed. It's a striking visual gag that still elicits gasps from the audience nearly a hundred years later. A big reason the stunt plays so well is that there was nothing fake about it. The house was just a facade built on a hinge, but it was made with the same materials as a regular house and weighed about two tons as a result. There was no camera trickery involved either. Buster Keaton simply calculated exactly where he needed to stand and then drove two nails into the ground to mark where his heels should be. If all went well and the window fell where it should, he would have about two inches of clearance on either side. Of course, if his calculations were off by any more than that, he'd be hammered into the dirt, like the nails beneath his feet. Everyone present that day was well aware of the danger. In fact, half the crew reportedly walked off the set, refusing to participate in a stunt that could have very easily gotten the star killed. Those who remained were still incredibly nervous. Keaton later recalled seeing several crew members saying prayers just prior to shooting the scene. He also claimed that the cameraman turned away as the scene was being filmed, too afraid to watch the outcome. Luckily, the stunt went just as planned, though the frame of the window did graze the actor on its way down. A close call. The question remains, why was Keaton so determined to perform such a dangerous stunt, despite all the anxiety it caused his collaborators? One sad and likely answer is that Keaton simply didn't care if he lived or died that day. The changes to the film's climax, the ones he didn't want to make, had put the movie behind schedule and over budget. That was the last straw for United Artists, and on the day before the big stunt was filmed, Keaton was informed that his production studio was being shuttered. Around the same time, his first wife, Natalie Talmadge, filed for divorce. Keaton was being cut loose, both personally and professionally, and the grief may have caused him to take risks he would have otherwise avoided. Many years later, the actor said as much himself. He called the stunt one of his greatest thrills, before admitting, quote, I was mad at the time, or I would never have done the thing. Ill-advised though it was, Keaton did do the thing, and it made for a thrilling climax to Steamboat Bill Jr., the ending of which I won't spoil here. Buster Keaton made many more films before his death in 1966. 
After Steamboat Bill Jr., though, he was rarely given the chance to make sharp, elaborate comedy like he did in the 1920s. Still, even when he could no longer make films the way he wanted to, he continued doing what he knew, what he loved. He didn't like to dwell on disappointment either, something he made crystal clear in his 1960 memoir. There, Keaton reflected on his life in film, writing, quote, As long back as I can remember, I have considered myself a fabulously lucky man. From the beginning, I was surrounded by interesting people who loved fun and knew how to create it. I've had few dull moments, and not too many sad and defeated ones. Not long ago, a friend asked me what was the greatest pleasure I got from spending my whole life as an actor. There have been so many that I had to think about that for a moment. Then I said, like everyone else, I like to be with a happy crowd. If you feel the same way, gather a few friends around any screen larger than a phone and put on Steamboat Bill Jr. You'll be with a happy crowd in no time at all. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.